good. Awesome. Yeah, come on, let's give Jesus a shout of praise this morning. We love him. And, uh, well, uh, I'm excited that we're gathering together today. How many people love your church? You love your church? Yeah, okay, do me a favor. Uh, just give someone an, an elbow bump next to you and just say, I love you from a distance. I love you from a distance, okay? And the words of Bet Midler, from a distance. Anyway, uh, hey, uh, well, I'm so grateful you could uh, join us here today. Man, I love being in your church, love being here. This is my first time actually on a Sunday at Papakura Campus uh, or location. And uh, hey, can we just uh, celebrate and honor your pastors as well here, Adam and Darcy? How great are they? These guys are exceptional. And yes, even though she did buy a horse with the goat money, which I still think to this day is one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Um, that just shows you my, my sense of humor. But anyway, um, but hey, if you're new here today, um, we're grateful you could be here. This is um, something that we don't do because religion demands it. This is not a re religious requirement to us to come and worship and gather. Actually, this is just a response of um, something that's really changed our lives. And so the way we worship, the way we gather um, is actually because we have so encountered the love of God that it's changed the way we want to do life together, changed the way we want to serve one another. I truly believe that we are loved to show love. We're included to include and we're changed to bring change. How many people would agree with that, right? And so uh, that is actually the outworking of the gospel in our lives. It changes the way we do life with one another. And so uh, if this is new to you, uh, it could be a totally different experience. But you know what? It's supposed to be. We are different in all the right ways. And we hope that you, um, you feel a different kind of love in this place. And, uh, and a different kind of, uh, some people say energy. Well, we don't call it an energy. We, we call it the presence of God. And we hope we actually experience that as well. Uh, and we hope also that you walk away with a sense of hope that there's nothing God cannot do. And we really believe that, and we hope to stir that in you. Uh, now, Papakura, I know um, that there is, there's a rumor about this location. I don't know if you know this, guys. There's a rumor. It's out there. It's on Facebook, Instagram, traces of it on MySpace. Um, that there is, uh, the rumor is, is that the Papakura campus or location, you guys, um, here's the rumor, that you're the most verbally engaging location out of any of the Elam churches in New Zealand. It's a rumor. Come on, come on. Like, okay, I, prom I promise you this morning, the more you get into it, the more you're going to get out of it. I promise you that. But also the more you get into it this morning, the quicker I'm going to preach. Okay, interesting. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about that. I was like, come on, let's, let's go. Let's have some brunch, you know. Uh, but uh, hey, so, so here's what I want to do this morning. Um, you are coming into your um, vision weekend or vision uh, time together as a church. And I just love talking about vision because God is a God of vision. And, and I hope to stir that in you, to encourage you in some way that um, God has a great vision and plan for your life as well as He does for this whole church. So as much as we have a corporate vision, if you want to put it that way, a united vision, there is a unique vision for you. And so, uh, so I, I really want to encourage you with this. And I, again, if you just feel free, like it, it's, the world's like pretty, pretty you know, nervous and a bit sad at the moment. I think we should be the happiest, the loudest, the most vibrant. And, uh, and so, so just feel free to clap, cheer, shout, throw money, whatever floats your boat. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we're, we're going to have some fun there this morning. Okay, here we go. Turn with me in your Bibles uh, to Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18. Proverbs chapter 29. Verse 18, if you haven't got a Bible, um, just lean forward, pretend to get something from your feet, and you'll fool 99% of preachers that you actually brought a Bible to church. Just, why don't we try that right now? Just, why don't you grab your Bibles with me right now? Just lean forward. Okay. Oh, what? Okay. That's a lot of people. Wow. 
Oh, that was like resetting a huge game of Guess Who. That was interesting. Here we go. Proverbs 29. Now, if you are unfamiliar with the Bible or with Scripture, uh, or if you are new to the faith journey and you're wondering where's a good place to start, there are many great places to start. Um, Maybe not at the end. Uh, (laughs) Christian joke. Anyway, um, but... But this would be a great start to actually read the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is written by a guy, predominantly by a guy called Solomon. Solomon was uh, considered to be, and is considered to be, even outside of Christian circles, to be one of the wisest people who ever lived. Now, in his wisdom, uh, he would admit that everything he learned, everything he acquired in his wisdom was actually not him, his knowledge, his intellect, but it was actually from God. And if you ever struggled, like, 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 does anyone else want some more wisdom in their life? Yeah, I, I, by show of hands, come on, put your hand up just so we know, because if you didn't put your hand up, then you must be Jesus, stand up, fly around the room. Like, you know, like that is, that, that you, we all need wisdom, right? We all need wisdom. But um, he, he actually wrote 31 Proverbs, which is interesting that we have 31 days in a month. So if you're ever struggling to read your Bible, I, I truly believe that a proverb a day keeps stupid away. Anyway, like I really do, like Proverbs are powerful, and we say that in our church often, but um now, he, he actually says this. He comes to this radical conclusion around the whole idea of vision. And here's what he says. We can put this up on the screen. And this is in the King James Version. So how many people, you, you like a little King James Version? You've been around church a while. You like a little King James? Yeah, come on, get a little shout. There's a modest hands going up every now and then. Like, oh, I guess I do. But it's, come on, it's all right. You're allowed to, right? It's not a support group, right? Okay, so here we go. He says this, where there is no, yeah, you can say it, it's on the screen. Here we go. Where there is no vision. Hey, here's the byproduct. The people perish. The people perish. Now, interesting enough, go on to the next verse. Uh, it actually goes on to say, well, within this version to say, uh, where there is no prophetic, well, sorry, this is the ESV version, it says where there is no prophetic vision. The NLT uh, version says without any divine guidance. So you're catching this here. The byproduct is the people cast off restraint. <laughs> So one of them says people perish. In other words, perishing is not an instant thing. It's a slow, gradual thing. It's like the erosion of the cliff over time because of the waves bashing against it. In the same way, life will bash against you. And if you have no vision, you start to erode. Life takes it out of you. But then also without, without divine guidance. Actually, the Bible says that people just, they cast off restraint. In other words, I just feel like I don't know where I'm going. Come on, millennials. There's some people out there. You're like, I don't know what to do with my life. Well, without vision, you'll cast off restraint. In other words, I have no discipline. I have no focus. Days are lived just day by day. And I feel like I am being uh, blown around by the winds of change all the time or or the emotional disposition I have that day will change the way I live that day. And so there is no restraint. There's no focus. And he says, that's what happens when you have no vision. The rest of that verse, it won't be up on the screen, but it actually says, but those who obey the law, happy is he or joyful is he. So when you actually get yourself connected with divine guidance or a God vision, guess what? You're just going to be happier. You're going to be joyful. I love that, 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 that you would actually have a disposition in your soul that is one more of joy than of despair when you have a vision. Okay, so, so that all being said, we're going to package this scripture, this thought um, together for the next three and a half hours we have. And I can't wait. <laughs> Just joking. Here we go. But 
I've got a big point I want to make, and I always have one big point because I figure um, we all get what I call um, Christian amnesia. Do you know what I'm talking about Christian amnesia after service? So um, you'll sit in church, you'll love church, it's amazing. You'll walk out of church, you'll bump into someone at the local grocery store and they didn't come to church. They'll say, oh, hey, how'd you go? Oh, how was church? It was great. Oh, man, it was so good. Oh, what did they preach about? And then you're like, oh, and you panic and you're like, Jesus, right? Because that's just the... It's the easy way, right, to say, of course, it's going to be about that, right? But I like to think of um, if we could have one portable point, like one thought to pique your curiosity today, one, that, one thought that starts as a monologue, me talking to you, could be maybe a dialogue in your groups or in your social circles this week, okay? So here's my big point. For all the note takers out there who are taking notes, want to go to heaven, right? Watch this. We'll put this down. Ready? That was a joke. Don't panic. Someone's like, quick, give me a pen. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's all good. Chill out. Okay. Here's my big point for today. Ready? Um, if seeing is believing, if seeing is believing, then ask God to help you see it and believe it. Everyone's heard that statement before, seeing is believing? I would actually agree, okay? If seeing is believing, then ask God to help you see it and believe it, to see it and believe it. And this is our big point today, and we're going to package this together. So, hey, why don't we pray before we enter into our time together? So, Lord, we thank you for our time. We thank you for the, just the gathering that we have here, the community, the ecclesia. God, what you do here is truly remarkable. And uh, God, just the rich diversity that is the body of Christ, that is your church. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you brought us together. And the centerpiece, the focal point is Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that in times like this, Lord, um, this is our time to shine. This is our time to grow and be a light. God, as the world gets darker, we get brighter. And I thank you, Lord, that as uh, we gather today, Lord, we will be so stirred in our faith and you would remind us all that you do have a vision for us. You do have a plan for us, Lord. Help us to see it and help us to believe it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so let, let me ask you this question. Let me ask this question. How many people here, by show of hands, um, this is, I'm probably going to get an overwhelming response to this one, but how many people, by show of hands, you love sleep? Yeah, go <laughs> right, look at this, this, is awesome. Like, keep your hand up, look around the room, yes. Look, already we're united. How beautiful is that, right? A common cause, we're united around. Sleeping, right? I love sleep. Like, how good is sleep? Now, I don't mean like loving sleep to the point where I just want to sleep all day long. That's called laziness, okay? So we don't want to do that. But, but just sleep in general is, is amazing. Like, how good is that moment when you get to the end of the day and you walk to your bedroom and there it is? There it is. You walk in, you're like, oh, I missed you. <laughs> right? And, and does anyone think like your, your bed is almost like it's living? That's what it is. It's like, a, it like talks to me. My bed's like, it throws back the sheets. And it's like, come on, buddy, bring it in. You know, like, and I'll lie down and then I'll, I'll cuddle it. Like, I love it. How, you know, it's getting a little bit colder soon. How many people are looking forward to the colder months? Because then you put on the doona or the duvet or what do you call them over here? Duvet, yeah, okay. Uh, the duvet, which sounds way fancier than Australia. Ours is a doona. Hey, we got a chuck on the doona, right? Yours is a duvet, evidently. Ha, honey, chuck on the duvet, right? What? Anyway, so, but, 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 but you, I, I'm, the, I'm the type of person um, that when I put my head to the pillow, I am out. Like I am, by show of hands, how many people here, you, you are instant, instantly go to sleep. Like that's you, you are straight away, you're out. Your spouse could be talking to you. They're like, so how was today? And you're out, like you're done. And they're like, honey, honey. They're like, okay, that is me. 
that is me. I am, as soon as I put my head to the pillow, I'm, I'm gone. And I'm not just asleep. I am in deep... Come on, have you seen the movie Inception? I'm like three layers down. Like, I am so deep in sleep. And, and so I'll be asleep. Like, you, if you wanted to rob my house, not that you would want to, uh, you could literally just run a car through the front door and just, just smash and grab. And I would wake up in the morning, oh, shoot, we're robbed. Like, like what happened? I didn't hear that. Like, I'm that deep asleep. Now, my wife, however... She is an ultra light sleeper. Now, give me a little wave of you are the ultra light. Come on, yeah, there's a couple. See, most people in the room, lift, you can barely lift your hand, you're that tired still. You're like, oh, that's me, I guess, you know. <laughs> My wife is that. So she, anything wakes her up. So she will be like, I will literally like just pull the sheets and the rustling of the sheets. She'll be like, and she'll wake up. She's like, what was that noise? I'm like, I just moved the sheet. She's like, do you mind? Can you not? I'm like, oh, okay. So I'll be breathing. I'm <sighs> breathing, right? She's like, honey, just stop. You're too loud. I'm like, I'm breathing. Do you want me to stop? You know what I mean? Why should I suffocate for your comfort, right? But, but anyway, so she's an ultralight sleeper. But, but when I sleep, you know, I just dream. I dream, like, all the time. Always dreaming. I just have the most profound dreams. Just about every night I, I go to sleep, I will dream. You know, I will have a dream. Now, my wife is also a dreamer, but her dreams have weird effects on her. Let me explain. How many people are familiar with sleepwalkers? Okay, okay, sleepwalkers, uh, I've never been a sleepwalker. My, one of my children is a sleepwalker, but he got that from my wife, who's not just a sleep, she's not a sleepwalker. Uh, the best way I can say is just, she's just, she's like, a, she's a sleep reactor. I don't know, I don't know how I can put this. The best way I can put it is that, um, that when I married my wife, we're now this year, married 18 years, um, hold the applause. No, it's fine. You're allowed to. It's fine. Okay, it's it's, it's a big deal. Um, but but 18 years of marriage. Um, uh, but 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 I realized this in the early, literally in the first few months of our marriage, that that I married a very strange woman in her sleep. Okay, I'll explain this. Uh, I'm deep asleep, and she's having some one weird dream. But in her dream, she doesn't realize she's doing this. Uh, I roll. I'm a deep sleeper, so I roll over, feeling like some presence. I'm like, what? Like, I know my wife's there, but what, why does it feel a bit different? And I roll over, and there is my wife, Alana, and she is crouching on the bed like this. <laughs> like, just staring at me, like this, staring at me. I'm like, honey? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, thinking, what did I marry? It's kind of scary. I'm like, honey, name yourself, you know? <laughs> like, like, a, like, that's a Christian joke. <laughs> Legion. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, so she, she's just staring at me, right? Staring at me. I'm like, oh, honey? Honey, and, and so I'm trying to, I'm thinking, I know, know this now, but you're not meant to wake up sleepwalkers. Have you heard this? You're just meant to leave them be, right? But I didn't know this. So I, I'm like, honey, and I go to reach out to her to, 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 to wake her up. And she literally, she springs off the bed, smashes against the cupboard and wakes up. And she wakes up. She's like, oh, she's like, what happened? What happened? I'm like, you happened. You know, like that, I'm getting holy water. I'm like, sprinkling of Santos. Like, I'm like, what is going on? I married a flipping exorcist, right? Like I'm thinking... But, but here's the thing, um, <laughs> I say all that to say this, that um, isn't it funny the reaction or, the, or, or, or what dreams have the capability of doing to you? Like dreams, as much as they are thoughts in your head, sometimes they can become actions in your life. Dreams are powerful. Negative dreams, fearful dreams have the ability to make you wake up in a cold sweat even wondering how, if that was real or not. We had this, like, have you ever had those dreams where you woke up and you thought, man, was that real? Did that really happen? Why? Because of a, of a vision in your head that made you start to even react 
physiologically different just because of a thought in your head. So you start to come to this idea that, that, that vision or dreams, are they're powerful. And the Bible says that visions and dreams are so powerful that without them, you can actually perish. Without them, you can actually just cast off restraint. Without them, it is detrimental to your human condition. We are the only species that has the ability to imagine, to dream of things yet not there, but possibly could be there. God gave us the ability like Him to to dream, to have vision. Now, He says, without a but, you'll actually you'll perish. Now, I found this to be true about a lot of people, is that I think a lot of people would agree with that. Would you agree with that? That that dreams are powerful, and I think God wants us to have a dream. Maybe you're new to church and think, really, does He want you to have a dream? Yeah, of course He does. He wants you to have a dream for your life. But but dreams are, they're, they're amazing. But what I found about a lot of people's dreams is that they're there, but they're yet to be dug up. They're there, but they're yet to come into fruition. Like, okay, I'll put it to you this way. There's, um, there's a place in America. I heard this story recently. I thought, man, this is so true. Um, there's a place in America that is, uh, that is it's, it's notorious for being dry and arid and it's dead. It's a wasteland. It's actually called Death Valley. Has anyone heard of Death Valley? Okay, so Death Valley, um, here's a picture of Death Valley. I'm going to put this up on the screen. Um, Death Valley is actually, this is what it looks like. Nothing grows there except rocks, right? <laughs> it's funnier in my head. But we have, we, we have, this is pretty much it. The reason why it is called Death Valley is because the temperature is so extremely hot and the rainfall is almost non-existent that nothing grows there. Nothing lives there, hence the name Death Valley. Interesting enough, in, in June of 2004, an unusual event took place in Death Valley. They had seven inches of rainfall hit Death Valley and they thought, first and foremost, that's amazing. It never rains there, let alone seven inches of rain. Wow, that's, that's, that's unbelievable. No one thought much of it. They just thought the scientists noted that was an unusual event. And then literally from that June following to the next year's spring, something also happened that they'd never seen happen in Death Valley before. And here's what's happened. Check this up on the screen. It was a valley filled with flowers and color and vibrancy. And what they realized is they had named Death Death Valley the wrong thing. They had titled it the wrong thing because the truth was it was never a dead valley. In fact, it was just a dormant valley. All it needed was the right sustenance uh, sustenance and nutrients. Sorry, there's a tongue twister. All that needed was that. And what would happen is the what was below the surface would actually be able to burst forth into brilliance and color all because it had the right condition and environment for it to grow. It wasn't dead. It was just dormant. So I really feel to encourage some people here today that, hey, um, that dream, that vision that you thought was dead, It's not dead. It's just dormant. And if you would get yourself in a space, in an environment, and not just any, I'm talking with the dream giver. Come on, the vision giver. If you would get in a space with the Lord, you get the right sustenance on your soul, that vision can come alive again. Come on, that vision can burst forth and you will experience something that maybe you've never experienced before. It is the outworking of a God vision in your life. 
So, so here's, here's what we're going to do. In these next few moments that we have, I want to help you and I to do this because I believe this is something I need to speak to my soul all the time about because sometimes life is, is just so full and so distracting and maybe sometimes just, just, life just takes it out of you that you forget that God has a vision for me. God has a plan for you. Now listen, Vision Sunday is coming up. Come on, how many people are excited about Vision Sunday? Talking about the future of this church and the future, what has happened in one year in this church. Again, I agree with your pastors. What a phenomenal thing God has done and what God is doing, but it's just the beginning. I would, say, I would just beg to differ here today that what you've seen is still not even come above the surface yet. This is still subterranean. This is still stuff that is amazing, but yet to come forth into all its glory, God has a vision for this place. But what about you? What about your God vision? How do I get that? Without it, I'm going to perish, and I don't want to perish. Without it, I'm just going to cast off restraint. I don't want to live an unrestrained life. God, help me to get a God vision. So how do we do it? Let's answer that question this morning. How do you and I get a God vision? A God vision. Now, I want this, the operative word there is God, by the way, because I'm here to be a motivational speaker and say, you've got a dream. Come on, dream bigger. Like, I don't know why I went American for that, by the way, but it... it <laughs> Like, this is not this. This is not that, sorry. I want to encourage you to to look at a God vision for your life. So how do I get a God vision? Point number one. Well, um, this might surprise you, but this is really important in getting a God vision, is that number one, if you want a God vision, you need to ask God to clean your heart. Let God clean your heart. Now, why is that so important? Because here's here's the thing. Um, Your heart is the lens or the filter in which God allows vision to come through. The Bible says, from the heart flow the issues of life. Your heart is extremely, it's a very dangerous and precious thing all in the same breath. Jeremiah says, man, the heart is most deceitful above all things. Who can truly understand it? But I, the Lord, search the heart, he recognized. But also, the Bible says, you must guard your heart, okay? Your heart is very, very important. But from your heart is where visions are going to come. So if you don't recognize that is the case and the lens of your heart is not clean, it's going to distort the vision. Okay, I haven't got yet. Let me put it this way. There was, um, uh, I like going to the gym. Any gym goers like going to the gym? Give me a little wave of your gym goer. How many people like the thought of going to the gym? Give me a wave. Yep. It's good. Yeah, it's basically, <laughs> uh, it's the thought that counts. Okay, so there you go. Um, the... When I, I went to the gym, I finished at the gym. I had to go to the local grocery store. I had, it was sunny outside, I had my glasses on. I walked in, I took my glasses off and I put it on my singlet as I went into the grocery store, went into the freezer section, got some stuff for dinner, went back outside and went to put my glasses back on. And, and I'm literally in the middle of the car park and I am blind. I put my glasses on and I start stumbling through the car park. Cars are beep, 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 beep. They're beeping at me, going crazy. And I'm like, well, I can't see anything. What's going on? I took off my glasses and I realized because of the temperature change and my body temperature in, in, the, in the supermarket, it actually fogged up my glasses. So I was blind. So I'm like, and all I needed to do was get my finger and, eh, eh, you know, because that's the sound it makes when you do that. <laughs> I'm an expert in these things, right? And I could see clearly again. And I, and I would say this, that sin fogs up the glasses, Sin distorts God's vision in your life. And I also want to remind you that as easy as, easy as it was for me just to, uh, uh, with my finger, clear these glasses, that's how easy it is for God to clean your heart. It's that easy. So before you think you've done too much, 
to disqualify yourself from a God vision, there's nothing God can't clean up. Come on, there's nothing unredeemable. Come on, there's nothing that God can't reconcile and renew. It's all there. You just need to let God clean your heart. Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, He actually puts it like this in Matthew 5. He said, it's so important that your heart is clean. Why? Watch this. Let's chuck this on the screen. It says, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Catch that. How many people see that word and you're like, great, pure, fantastic. I'm never going to be pure. Like that's really good. So you're saying, I can't see God fully until I, I get myself all pure and purified. And, and how many people ever thought that with the word pure? Come on, come, you're allowed to put your hand up. I'm putting my hand up as well, right? Okay, like it is. When we see that word purity, we almost disqualify ourselves. How can I ever see God then? Like, thanks God for nothing because you're telling me I need to be pure before I can see you. But the Sermon on the Mount is not a to-do list. It's actually a to-done list for what Christ has done on your behalf. So the, these are the saying on the Sermon on the Mount for every one of them, all of the Beatitudes that he listed. Let me tell you, he's saying, yes, you cannot see God until your heart is pure. That's why you need me to make you pure. It is my work on your behalf through the cross that you will be able to stand before God pure and then you'll be able to see Him clearly. But it's letting Him do it. So please do not think coming into church here this morning, that man, well, I need to get myself sorted. I need to prefabricate and perfect my life before I can truly see a God vision. I'm here to tell you, no, you and I can never truly do that. If we did, we wouldn't need Christ. We needed Jesus to clean up our act, so to speak. I needed Him to clean this heart so I can see God more clearly. I'll go as far to say it like this. The cleanness of your heart will determine the clearness of your vision. The cleanness of your heart will determine the clearness of your vision. So let God clean it. So maybe your takeaway here this morning is just to stand before God at some point today or tomorrow or throughout this week and say, God, how would you clean this up? Because I know the state of my heart. And I don't want that to be a dirty lens or a boggy lens through which the future you have for me is projected through. No, Lord, would you clean it up so I can see you clearly and I can see your plans for me clearly. Let God clean your heart. Number two. How do I get a God vision? Well, here's a, this is profound. You ready for this? This is deep. This took me weeks. Okay, you ready for this? Number two, ask God to reveal His vision for your life. What? You actually got a theology degree? Well, got it from Bali online. No, I'm joking. I'm playing. <laughs> but here's the thing. You need to ask God to reveal, what's the operative word there? His vision. It's God's vision. Again, the Bible says, we read this already, but in the, in the um, NLT version, it says, without divine guidance, we actually perish. Without divine guidance. So here's the thing. Again, I'm not saying you should just get a vision, vision conjured up in yourself. And, and, and man can do that, by the way. But I'm talking about a God vision, a divine guidance. In other words, this is outer worldly that helps me to live out the plans for my life. I want a divine vision. I want that. What's interesting about asking God for His vision for your life is it's always significantly bigger than yours. Always. Like God never goes, whoa, hey, you might be over-projecting here a little bit, buddy. You want to tone it down? Like, come on, I had this vision. You want that? Are you kidding? No, God's vision is always bigger. I think that's sometimes why we're scared to ask Him. Because we know it's way bigger than we want. Because usually the vision we have is typically just for us. Let me explain. 
This guy in the Bible, he's actually, his name's Abraham. Abraham is actually referred to as the father of faith, which was interesting. If we have a poster child for faith, you think, really, Abraham? Because Abraham had so many times where he just did not trust God. But yet he's the guy who said, yep, he's a good example of trusting God. What? What do you mean? Abraham blew it many, many times, which is so encouraging for me. Anyone else? Like, how many people know that God does a perfect plan through imperfect people? But, but here's the thing. Abraham has this vision. He's, well, he has a dream. He's, his dream is, I just want a son. I'm 100 years old. My wife is 80. We've been trying, which is good effort, but we have been unsuccessful. Unsuccessful. He says, God, would you just give me one son? Now watch this. This chuck this up on the screen in Genesis. The Bible says, this, this is God's response to Abraham. Then the Lord took Abraham outside. Everyone say outside. And said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. If you can. That's how many descendants you will have. Take, he says he takes Abraham what? Outside. Which we must conclude that what? Abraham therefore was inside. <laughs> Doesn't take much to come to that conclusion. Now being a, a, a primitive time, come on, where they had, they had tents, not necessarily houses. Uh, Abraham would have been inside his tent. So you're thinking, maybe you're here this morning, you think, do they always put a tent on stage? They do, but I'll use it. I'm joking, they don't, okay. <laughs> but basically, um, there, is, there is a tent and Abraham is inside his tent, okay? So inside Abraham's tent, he is, he is in here. And, and look, I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm not much of a camper. And I thought tents were amazing until they invented the home. Okay, so I'm not going to go and regress here. But anyway, basically, Abraham's inside his tent, and God says, I want you to come outside of the tent. Now, catch this. When Abraham comes outside of the tent, the tent is actually symbolic, not just of physically where, where Abraham was inside a tent. It's actually where his capacity to dream was. It's limited. It has a ceiling on it. It is, it is actually, ref- it is actually it's confined to a limited ability. And I actually believe that a lot of us, myself included, will typically slip into what I call tent thinking. Like God has a vision for us, but we have tent thinking. We have, let me unpackage this. What keeps us inside our tent? Let's just go there for a moment. I believe there's three things that keep people in tent thinking. It would be discouragement, distraction, and deception. Discouragement, distraction, deception. In other words, there's a big God dream that God wants to do in you, but you are maybe discouraged. Maybe that's you this morning. I don't want to think big about my future because I've tried some things before and I failed. And I feel discouraged. And it's keeping you in a limited thinking about your future. The second one would be distraction, which I think would be a lot of people in this room this morning. Come on, you, you, you're just so distracted. Like we live in the most distracted time ever. Well, come on, come on, like God bless mobile phones, God bless Instagram, come on, you can follow me at James A. Murray, but like that's not the point, okay? But, but, but the, the thing is we're so distracted that we neglect to see the big thing God has for us. It keeps us in, in a confined space because we're just distracted by things that really just don't matter. The last one is deception. I believe that there is an enemy to your soul. His name is Satan, and guess what? He hates the fact that Christians or believers would dream big. And he's happy for you to have a dream as long as it's confined. And he'll deceive you. And he, what, here's most of the deception he'll, he'll have for your and my life. He'll say, you know what? Yeah, that dream's good. That's going to suit you really well. You. And he's happy for you to have a dream as long as it's not bigger than you. As long as it's not bigger than you. What is Abraham? His dream is for him. 
I just want a son. I want. And Abraham says, and God says, I'm happy for you to have those things. Understand this. God's happy for you to have. God's happy for you to have a great dream that is, that a, is fulfilling for your life. But here's the thing. God will always give you a dream that's big enough to fulfill you, but also impact others. So he says, Abraham, come out of tent thinking, come out of the tent, come out of common distraction, discouragement, deception, whatever it may be, and come up and I want you to look up and I want you to count the stars if you can. That's how big my dream is for you. In other words, Abraham, yes, I'm going to give you a son. Yes, it's going, to, it's going to satisfy you, but this dream is going to go beyond you, which I go to, come on, how many people know church is good for Christians, but it's not made just for Christians. It's there for the world, right? So the vision God gives us is not just to see a building filled with Christians. It's there to, fill to, to get a building that will go beyond the walls and impact the world around us and impact those who are yet to be in relationship with Jesus. The vision is always beyond us. So he says, let me show you my vision. Count them if you can. And I believe Abraham would have gone, okay, I'll, show, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a go. One, two, three, four, a million, million and four, million, seven. Okay, God, that's a lot. Actually, I can't even do that. And he's like, exactly. Exactly. God will give you a dream and a vision that's so much further and bigger than you are that you realize, I can't do it. And he goes, finally. Finally. Because I want you to include me in this. God is not trying to create, come on, a community of independent dreamers. He's trying to create a community of dependent dreamers. God, I need you to do this because it's far beyond me. What's your vision for my life? Last but not least, and then we're done. Can I ask the keys player to come up? And, and here's the thing. Point number three, you need to get, let God clean your heart. Number two, you need to ask God to give you His vision. And then number three, Ask God to actually, ask God to help you to trust Him with the steps. Or trust Him, ask God to help you, God, you, I, I want to trust you with these steps. Help me to trust you. Because this is where I'm at a lot of the time, to be honest with you. Like, has anyone in this room ever struggled to trust God? Like, no, honestly, just put your hand up, and I want you to look around the room. And why is that so important? Because often, we think we're the only one. And the devil loves that, oh, you're the only one. He always tries to isolate you from the pack because isolation leads to desperation. Desperation leads to compromise. I just, oh, okay, I'll just give up. I'll just, no, 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 we're all in the same boat together here. We struggle to trust God. But here's the beautiful thing about trust or faith. There's another way you could put it. It's all a gift from God. It's all a gift. So, um, this is a crazy story, uh, and, and, and there's this guy in the Bible, um, he, he's in the Gospels here, and it's in the book of Mark, and he actually has a, he has a very crazy issue in his son. His son has a spirit that's causing him to cause great harm to him. He brings the boy to the disciples. The disciples try to pray for the boy, but nothing happens. So what does he do? He says, well, I'm just going to cut out the middle management, and I'm going to go straight up to the boss, right? And he goes to Jesus. And Jesus, let's check this up on the screen in Mark. He actually says it like this. He says, how long has this been happening to the boy? Jesus asked the boy's father, he replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us. What's this word? If you can. That sounds familiar, huh? And watch this Jesus' response. He says, um, next verse. What do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes 
The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but watch that. And this is my favorite, favorite, one of my favorite verses in Scripture. But help me overcome my unbelief. So that pretty much, I would believe, locate just about every person in this room who is a Jesus follower right now. We all have a but. Like, God, yes, you can do it. But oh, I'm not sure. Yes, I think you can, but I'm not 100% sure. And guess what this man says? In, in profound, he gets a revelation that no one at that point had got. Hey, but you know what? You can help me with that. You can help me with my unbelief. In other words, God, everything we have is a gift from you, including faith, including the ability to believe you. So if I struggle to believe you, God, would you help me to do it? So catch that. God's going to give you, if you ask Him, He'll give you His vision for your life. He really will. And it's going to scare you. And it's going to be bigger than you think. And you're going to go, God, I don't believe that can happen. But then what you do from there is say, God, but can you help me to believe it? Can you help me to? And God's response is always, sure. I'll give you a measure of faith. I'll help you to get bigger vision. I'll help you to, to actually believe me more and trust me more. All you need to do is ask. So hey, if, um, if seeing is believing, ask God to help you see it and believe it. See it and believe it, both and. So as we finish here this morning, I really believe in this vision, kind of this series that we're coming around. That God has a vision for every person in this room. He does. There's not one person who's like, well, yeah, I actually forgot about you. Minor, just minor kind of breakdown in the communication up there. And I forgot to give you a vision for you. Like, no, no, God has one. God has a vision for you. But here's the thing. Maybe today you need to let God clean up your heart because you can't see it clearly through that lens. Maybe you're here today and you're, you, you, you actually have never asked Him what He wants. So you've had a vision, but you've never asked God. And so you're doing a lot of things and you're wondering, like, I'm actually am being successful, but why does it not feel fulfilling? Because it's not your God vision. It's yours. Now, here's the thing. This, is, this might blow your mind here. Theologically, it might mess you up a little bit, okay? Um, do you realize you can actually do great things in this world without God? Now, you could argue, well, but yeah, but God gave me the air in the lungs and I, yeah, I get all that, okay? But put that argument aside. There's a lot of people in history who have done great things without God. And, and here's the thing. Those people have had made a difference in this world that has a historical difference. But only through God can you make an eternal difference. And there is a big difference. One can be done in human strength and only the other one can be done in God's strength. So you can live your life following a dream that you have and you can actually do some good things. Might even get recognized in history for it. But even history fades. But eternity is forever. And only through God can we make an eternal difference. And that's what truly matters. So if seeing is believing, ask God to help you to see that. And ask Him to help you to believe that. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes as we finish? Dreams make us do crazy things. <laughs> they can. But I hope it does in you. I hope it makes you start to act differently in this life, live differently. That it's actually going to cause you to have a, a vision 
that gives you a restraint. In other words, no, no, I'm not distracted anymore by those things that don't matter because I know what God's called me to do. I'm not caught up in those things because God, I know what you've shown me. I have restraint. In other words, and also God, I know you've shown me something. I don't feel like I'm just perishing anymore. No, I feel like every step I'm taking in this God dream and vision, I feel more fulfilled. And what is that? It's the God vision. But maybe you're here today as we finish and there's two types of people. The first type of person is um, you haven't even thought to even consider God in general. You're like, God, really? I didn't even know you you were there. But wow, I'm starting to realize that maybe you are important. Maybe I do need to include you in my life. And I'm here to tell you, God has always been there. He's never been distant. He's never been far. He's closer than you think. And all you know, you and I must do is say, God, would would you enter into my heart? Would you step into my life? I want relationship with you. Because the truth is, none of this actually works. None of this really comes together without God. It doesn't. It requires God. It's all from God and it's all through God. But you're not in relationship with Him, but you know you need to. You need to be in that relationship. With head bows, eyes closed, I want to, um, I want to include you in a prayer. So all I'm uh, going to ask you to do is on the count of three, lift your hand up where you're at and say, hey, include me in that prayer. I want to be in relationship with God. So that's you, the count of three. Here we go. One, God loves you. He does. Two, He wants a relationship with you. Would you let Him into your world? We go right now. Three, lift your hand up in the air and say, that's me. Yeah, God bless you. Who else is there? I need a relationship with God. God bless you. God bless you. Who else is there? God bless you. Who else is there? Just include me in that prayer. That's all I'm asking. That you could have a relationship. That sins can be forgiven. The heart can be made clean. You can see clearly all through God. If there's anyone else before I finish, I'd love to pray for you. Awesome. We're going to lead you in a prayer and then I'm going to hand back over to Pastor Adam and I'm going to pray for you here this morning. So Lord, God, I thank you for these people. Thank you that you love them and you care for them. And for all those people that lift their hand right now, I'm going to ask you to repeat this after me. Say, Dear Jesus, come on, let's all say this together. Say, Dear Jesus, I thank you for your word today. Thank you that you died on a cross for my sin, for my shame. Jesus, help me to live for you, to walk with you. Today, I receive your forgiveness and I start my relationship with you in Jesus' name.